Thousands of layoffs shock Silicon Valley like an earthquake. Is this the end of the golden era of the tech sector? Hello, I'm Arnold Nido, and this is The Heat. Move fast and break things. The motto coined by Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg illustrates Silicon Valley mentality for the past 20 years. But now the tech companies are tightening the belt. Since the beginning of last year, more than 200,000 people have lost their jobs. The CEOs of those companies blame the economic downturn for the cuts. But some analysts say maybe the companies moved too fast. The leaders from these tech companies, and maybe they're not being as honest as, as they should be, but a lot of them messed up, right? Because they didn't look two years down the line and say, hey, a recession might come and we're going we're gonna to have to cut. To talk about the changes in the tech industry, let's bring in our panelists from Columbus, Ohio. Patrick Perkins is a professor at Ohio State University College of Law from Silicon Valley Ray Wong is a principal analyst and founder of Constellation Research. Sean Randolph is senior director of the Bay Area Council Economic Institute. And Mark New is a CGTN correspondent covering the tech industry. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, Mark, let me start with you. We've seen this wave of firings at a number of uh, Silicon Valley tech giants. I mean, some of the biggest companies in the tech industry, Google, Microsoft, Apple. Uh, now, according to the Washington Post, the big companies like Google, Microsoft, Amazon, and Facebook are saying the golden age is over. What is behind the layoffs? Well, trying to expand too much too quickly. And it's interesting you brought up uh, the whole Silicon Valley motto of move fast and break things. Well, it turns out that this time around, what's broken seems to be the lofty expectations of the tech world. Uh, during the pandemic, while nearly every other sector struggled, tech plodded along. And you think about it, why did they get so successful where their, well, their services were in high demand? Uh, during lockdowns and quarantines, really all you had to do was order DoorDash food, uh, shop online, uh, add to that the whole sort of remote connected services that expanded, including Zoom, Microsoft Teams. Um, tech companies bet big, adding more staff uh, who also got more demanding, too. I mean, just six months to a year ago, we were all talking about the great resignation. And um, that really was because tech workers were doing so well that they got to think about um, quitting their jobs and actually uh, doing their pet projects or dream projects that they wanted to pursue. But that meant that in order to retain that staff, they had to pay them higher and give them more benefits. So that even put more things out of whack. Um, so, but when the, we came out of the pandemic, those expectations were a little too high and they were not able to keep up with those services. Um, throw in inflation, interest, interest rate hikes, and capital drying up. Uh, companies found themselves bloated after a prolonged hangover, essentially. Investors put pressure on those companies to be leaner, and those companies followed by cutting staff and trying to show that they were being efficient with their measures. Now, um, hundreds of companies, including everyone from Amazon to Google to Microsoft, all had to cut back. And even smaller fintech companies like Robinhood and Coinbase in total, the U.S. 
tech uh, sector lost about 42,000 jobs just last month alone, Anand. Mark, now it's not all disaster, is it? Because there are companies that continue to post profits. But is this a case where the profits are not high enough, so workers are paying for it? Well, I think it's a little more that the, the, the tech workers are suffering from the sort of um, misjudgment of the leaders and the founders and CEOs of the companies. Um, it wasn't long ago when Mark Zuckerberg uh, pretty much was in going all in, for example, on the metaverse, even changing the company from Facebook to Meta. And pretty soon he had to apologize to his employees, as you recall, when he had to lay off 11,000 workers for um, revenues that uh, did not come about. At the same time, we saw apologies from um, former CEO Jack Dorsey of Twitter, of course, after Elon Musk took over and slashed half of the staff. But a lot of apologies and their expectations are what cause the workers to suffer right now, Anand. Patrick Perkins, uh, a number of tech companies announced uh, their earnings reports on Thursday. Amazon, Apple and Google all announced year-end earnings. Uh, Apple's income is 5% lower than at the same time uh, last year. But if we look at Alphabet and Google, they're still growing. But if we look at the overall economic situation in the country, we still have inflation at about 6.5% now. It's down from its high of about 9%, 9.1% in June, but it's still very far away from the target of 2%. How are these factors affecting the tech industry? Well, it's absolutely affecting the tech industry because Silicon Valley already has an astronomical cost of living to begin with. Once inflation kicks in, even though those costs, even though the salaries are high in these tech companies, it's just not keeping up with the cost of living in areas like Palo Alto and the surrounding areas. It's extremely difficult for many of these employees, even at uh, receiving many high salaries straight out of college, it's very difficult for them to have any sort of meaningful quality of life when they're working long hours and barely able to afford rent, even working in their so-called dream jobs in these uh, high-end tech companies. And what do you make of Mark News' uh, comment there, Patrick, that in many respects it was the CEOs who bungled. They didn't plan for this. I, I mean, there's absolutely truth to that. It, it, part of it is the CEOs not planning for it. But a difficult part of, of this is the CEOs are pressured to have these astronomical year-after-year -year growth. That is the system that we put into place, that there needs to be this incredible growth in order for these companies to stay relevant. If they don't have this sort of focus on growth and fast growth, they're going to get top, uh, caught by the competition and they're going to get surpassed. So it's, all, it's definitely a catch-22 situation because if they prepare for the future, if they take a slower approach to things, they're likely going to get caught by the competition. But at the same time, if they do move forward at light speed like it's going on right now, we end up in this sort of situation. And this isn't a new thing to this, uh, to this crisis. This has happened multiple times in the past with the dot-com bubble back in the 2008 recession. The players are different, but essentially the tune is the same every single time. This isn't systemic to just these CEOs. It's systemic to the Silicon Valley system in general. Ray Wong, is there a broader impact uh, to the tech industry uh, when we look at these layoffs, when we look at the downturn? I mean, how does it impact things like innovation, like tech progress? 
Well, back to what the other panelists have mentioned, I think what's really important to understand is during the pandemic, 2019 through 2022, um, tech companies were hiring because no one else was hiring and because they were growing very, very quickly and they could barely find work. There were three job applicants, there were three opportunities for every job applicant in the tech worker business. Today, we're down to like one to one in terms of applicants to opportunities. So this is a minor blip. I don't think it's as bad as we're making it here. Uh, but the valley is definitely uh, its influence is diminishing, and it's a significant loss as people are leaving. But that has a lot to do with the way the valley is structured, right? We are aging all across the board. But if you look at things like, you know, tax environment, this is a brutal place to operate. Housing unaffordability, it's happened because of massively regulated policies that have not worked over the last 15 years. It's anti-success social policies that are there, that are anti-capitalistic policies in place. And public safety and crime is up, and population corporation flight are gone. Almost half a million people have left. 350 companies have left the Bay Area. So, so this is a bigger thing that's going on with innovation and cost uh, than, than what's going on in terms of just a small blip in terms of you know, where people are leaving and it looks like a lot of layoffs are happening. Um, the bigger picture, though, is there are very, very few companies that can operate at this economy of scale to do what they're doing. These digital giants are unique because they've aggregated hundreds of millions, even billions of users. They've used their data to actually build profits on top of that, and they have very, very strong business models in terms of digital monetization. That's why they're still there, and that's why they have the ability to invest in R&D and invest in the innovation that this country needs. So, Ray, you mentioned um, you know, the pandemic there as well as um, how it impacts innovation and progress in the tech industry. But, I mean, there have been other factors as well, hasn't there? Uh, things like supply chain issues, which uh, was hurt by the pandemic. I mean, are we over the worst of that now? We are over the worst of a confluence of crises. We've had inflation, we've had interest rates, we've had inventory, we've had infection, and we've had invasion. And in each one of those categories, we can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. Interest rates impact the valuations. And if you notice what happened, tech stocks got revaluated. The P numbers came down significantly. Then earnings expectations came down. Then the job cuts came into place. And we're at a point where we're going to see a reset in 2023 in terms of how tech companies are being valued and what those expectations are. It's good for the economy. It's good for the tech companies in the long run. In the short term, there's a lot of pain. But the good news is folks that are losing jobs, from what we can tell, are able to find new opportunities within 60 days so far. If they keep going in terms of the job cuts, it might be 90 days, but there's still a lot of demand for tech workers. Sean, we often hear that if California were a sovereign country, it would be among the top five economies in the world. Uh, it's a massive economy, and much of that is driven, of course, by the tech industry. And when we look at what hap is happening now, I mean, will this downturn affect the state of California in any significant way, or are we perhaps reading too much into uh, these job layoffs? Well, I, I think it depends on how long this goes on for. I, I agree with what's been said earlier that uh, the layoffs right now are the product of massive overhiring in the last 18 months or, or, or two years. And if you just read the media, it can seem a lot more dire than it, than it actually is. For example, so uh, Meta announced they were laying off 11,000. It's a big number. That's a global number. It's not just the Bay Area, that's all around the world. But they hired 60,000, 68,000 people the year before. So you take 11,000 globally out, they're still, what, 63, 64,000 ahead, or, you know, whatever the number is, 
they're 50,000 plus ahead of where they were uh, two years ago. So you could apply that to Salesforce, all these companies that are laying off workers. There was this enormous spike in 2021 because the digital economy was flying and they thought it was going to go on forever that way, and it didn't. You had inflation, you had the Fed raising interest rates, you had supply chain issues, and all of a sudden the market starts to cool and they just got overextended. But I think we need to compare the layoffs now against the enormous scale of hiring in 2021. And then we're really back to where we were a couple of years earlier. I think the implications for the future, though, uh, if this goes on for another couple of quarters, I, I think we do have, uh, have some real issues. But uh, as one of your speakers just said, 80% uh, of the people who are laid off by these tech companies are being rehired within three months or hired by new companies. Four in 10 get a new job within one month. So they're being picked up by startups. And they're being picked up by non-tech companies that need tech workers but weren't able to compete for it. So uh, I think the issues for us here are um, – Tech workers have not been coming back in large numbers to offices. Uh, we have more remote work eligible jobs in San Francisco than anywhere else in the U.S. So I think that's going to affect the ability of these companies to put people back in their offices and affecting commercial real estate. I think that's a real topic. Um, and if tech catches cold in this area, uh, eventually the rest of the region catches cold to some degree. Um, it affects property taxes for cities like San Francisco and, and other cities. So I think we'll just have to see. I think right now it feels like a big correction, uh, but not the end of year. Right, Sean, and I want to get your views, uh, Sean, on uh, something that the other panelists have been talking about, and that is the, uh, uh, the, the way in which performance is measured by Wall Street, this constant pressure for growth, this constant pressure on share price, uh, to what extent is that responsible for what we're seeing? Well, I think that's there. The expectation, of course, has been there for a long time. The tech is just going to go zooming on forever. And I think it does have a, a, a really strong future. But I, I, I don't see it being driven by uh, Wall Street expectations of return so much as uh, the enormous expectations of tech because it has been revolutionary. It's transformed so many industries. It's transformed consumer markets. It's transformed services. And it is going to continue to do that. I think the miscalculation has been simply around uh, the durability of, of some of these markets. And, you know, Silicon Valley has been cyclical forever. We've had booms and we've had busts, and there have been big booms and big busts. And we're, I think, back in another one of those cycles. But people have written off Silicon Valley periodically for decades, and it's never been true uh, in the end because it has phenomenal ability to reinvent itself again and again. And Mark New, what about the other kinds of impact that this is having? Uh, if we look at San Francisco, for instance, uh, one of the biggest cities in the United States, it's, it's really the poster city for the United States. Um, so we've had the pandemic, Thousands of people working from home. Thousands of people have left San Francisco. And, uh, you know, as you pointed out, uh, rentals are very high. It's very high cost of living. What kind of impact has it had on the city? Well, if you, you know, drive downtown during rush hour or across the Golden Gate Bridge, you'll soon find that traffic levels are starting to get back to very annoying levels. But we still have this problem of office vacancies. Um, I think pre-pandemic, we were just at about 4% vacancy 
and at the end of the start of this year it was up to about 26 percent and that has caused problems with the whole ecosystem of downtown uh, for example uh, mayor london breed even criticized salesforce uh, ceo mark benioff who's been an ally of hers for a lot of uh, uh, social good policies um, she criticized him for the sort of flexible work policy. That flexible work policy when workers stay home, they don't go downtown, they don't spend in restaurants, they don't go to bars, they don't go to the fitness centers around there, and the whole economy suffers. Um, at the same time, I would say the streets are not, I mean, the streets are not empty right now. There are still people down there, but the city has been getting a black eye for a lot of break-ins and crime and homelessness, uh, partially, you know, part of this cycle where uh, there's not enough housing, um, and also, I guess some people would point the finger originally at those high uh, tech sal uh, high salary tech workers for driving up prices and people not being able to find affordable housing. So sort of a black eye there and difficulties with the social structure of vacancies and also homelessness. So, Sean, we hear the picture in about the picture in San Francisco. Uh, but how is this affecting the broader Bay Area? I think the issue is... Uh, we're talking about right now are the most acute in the city of San Francisco. Uh, they're less so in Silicon Valley that has more of a hardware uh, tech orientation. They're less so in San Jose. So I, I think uh, San Francisco as a city is sort of the poster child for what's going on right now. I think the rest of the region uh, isn't seeing quite the same kind of pressure as we have here. But I, I think the whole question of, of tech layoffs, um, the cost of living, the cost of housing. Uh, it's something broadly felt throughout the region. Uh, Patrick, could we chalk these losses, job losses that we see, downturn in the tech industry to business as usual? You know, that's the way the system works. Boom times, we see lots of people being hired, and when the economy turns, and uh, we see downtimes, and then we see many job losses. Absolutely. This is definitely part of how the cycle works, as I alluded to earlier, in ways that is in, in ways the way that the Phoenix rebirths itself. Many of these tech workers who are laid off, they will now go on to work for other startup companies or startup companies of their own and really become the next generation of tech companies who make a name for themselves in Silicon Valley. That's really where the innovation comes from in Silicon Valley. The real innovation that's going on in, t in the tech industry is not coming from the Facebooks and the Apples of the world, although there is some of that there. The real innovation comes from these small companies. And so many of these workers, they've had a chance to see how good tech companies can work working for Facebook, Apple, they've gotten those names on their resume, and now they're ready to put their own ideas into play. And that's really what's going to drive this economy forward. And this is why Silicon Valley is going to rebound. It's not necessarily going to be with the big names that are there right now, but it's going to be with the next generation of big names. Mark New, uh, if we look at the mechanics of the labor market in Silicon Valley, we hear tech companies using a technique called stack ranking to determine who loses their job. I mean, it's a very controversial uh, method, uh, but it has been in use since the 1980s. What exactly is that? Well, that's right. I think it stems from General Electric using it in the 80s. And it's essentially um, some of these tech companies are known to rate their employees 
uh, on a curve. And generally, the top 20% are seen as the top talent, the bottom 10 to 15% as the low performers. And obviously, the low performers go first. Um, it may seem like a rational policy in some ways, but it's also been criticized as creating a sort of um, cutthroat environment where you're really looking to just be one up on your uh, fellow employee as opposed to looking out for the good of the company. Um, but uh, regardless of how you see it, it's sort of uh, seen as a wave, a part of this wave, you know, of strategies of companies trying to take pack power from their employees. Anand. Ray, uh, many of these tech companies, of course, have diversified. I mean, we've got a company like Google. Uh, it's got a car project going as well. It's not just a search engine. Meta is investing in Metaverse. What happens to those kinds of projects when they start implementing austerity measures? Well, a lot of those projects are still going to be in motion, right? There's a diversification of revenue that needed to be on. For example, take Google's revenues, right? A lot of it was being bolstered at the moment by uh, Google Cloud, right? The ad business is down, but Google Cloud is up, and that actually helps. And there's a need to diversify monetization strategies, and you're seeing them across the board. Take Amazon. Two-thirds of Amazon's profits come from AWS Cloud. Um, and so I think that's the challenge that, for example, Meta Facebook is, ch is facing, is they've got to get beyond a one-trick pony in digital monetization. And there's six ways to do it. You can do it in ads, goods, search, services, memberships, and subscriptions. And each of these digital giants have done it in a different way. But Amazon would be the poster child of doing it in all six models. And so you take a company, for example, like Apple, their services revenue is bolstered. It's almost $20, $30 billion now. And it's going to continue to make up, at some point in the next two years, 25% of their revenues. So you're going to see that diversification on the innovation front. Now, in terms of, like, big moonshot projects, which Google's known for, that's probably going to take some time, um, and they probably will fund less of those types of projects as companies implement austerity measures. Take, for example, Salesforce. I mean, they're, they have had a lot of innovation projects, a lot of acquisitions. Um, they'll have to compare, compare back some of that R&D as activist investors have come in uh, to soup in. So, so that, that's going to be a little bit on that. But back to the other point someone was making, it was amazing, right? I mean, when these layoffs happen, the catalysts for brand new types of startups are happening. And we're seeing that happen in computer vision and generative AI and other projects that are going to actually transform not just the tech business, but in other industries. And more importantly, we're starting to see this happen in other cities beyond Silicon Valley, where the tech talent has left and they're building and creating new nexuses in other regions. We've also seen another kind of phenomenon, um, Ray, and that is uh, where the logic behind some in Silicon Valley was to uh, grow first, make money later. I mean, we've seen that with Amazon, actually, when it started out. Uh, and we see companies like Uber, for instance, which um, is still there, but it hasn't made a profit. I mean, will that still continue or will investors say, look, we want to see some profits right now? Well, this goes back to the model venture capitalists apply. There's a need to get to escape velocity. And what happens behind closed doors here is maybe there's an idea to do something and 50 companies start to look at that space. Well, the VCs have figured out that the most they can support are maybe three or four companies in a winner-takes-all model. And what they're really trying to bet on is three or four winners in each category, which is why if you look at venture capital over the last 10 years, there used to be 20 competitors in every space when launched, and now we're down to three to five. And They've done their own natural calling to get there, and they're okay with long-term losses knowing that they're going to be the dominant player. One of those five companies, one of those three companies will be the dominant player, and that's fine with them. They're willing to actually spread out their bets that way and de-risk by funding less companies. 
Sean, we were talking earlier on about where workers have gone, and it's not all gloomy, is it? I mean, there was a survey that was done by a Zip Recruiter, which found that 80% of workers who've been laid off actually found a job in less than three months. So what does that tell us? Well, it, it tells us that the underlying economy here is still very, very strong and, and very resilient, and that we're looking at a tech correction uh, within a larger economy that's actually uh, quite strong. I think part of the, I think something we need to think about too is there has been a lot of publicity to tech workers leaving the Bay Area, and that certainly happened during the pandemic. Uh, but what we also know is that 80% of those never left California. They went to places nearby that you could drive to that are cheaper, the housing costs are lower, there's more space, uh, but still within shooting distance of San Francisco or Silicon Valley. So uh, they're still out there, and you could speculate that as probably workers slowly are drawn back into office environments, at least more uh, than they are right now, uh, that more of those people uh, will be coming into Silicon Valley and to San Francisco. And we're starting to see some data, which is quite limited still, but it's there uh, from LinkedIn, uh, suggesting that uh, there are actually people moving back into San Francisco who left during the pandemic. Uh, and you can speculate why that is, perhaps. Is it companies are getting serious about wanting the people to be in the office? Maybe they're saying you only have to be here two or three days a week, but if you're in Bend, Oregon, you can't drive in. Maybe it better be closer. So I think we're still in a, an uncertain period here, a transition from the end of the pandemic into some new uh, new work environment. Uh, the other thing I would say is there certainly uh, there's going to be more venture investment happening uh, elsewhere around the country. We know for a fact that some companies and some number of tech workers who left here maybe. 15% to 20, did go to other places like Memphis or Austin or Bend or Miami or Denver or, or wherever. Um, I don't think that's terribly a terrible thing. Uh, I think it's actually fine if you find more entrepreneurial development and more economic opportunities spread around the country. Uh, that doesn't really affect the primacy of Silicon Valley, where the venture money still is and where the technology comes from. You look at most other places, they don't come close to generating the, the raw amount of pure technology uh, and licensing patents that come out of places like Stanford and Berkeley and other uh, kind of institutions here, which is where Silicon Valley actually began. And if you think about the number of unicorns, and I hesitate to use the number right now because valuations are fluctuating. Right. But uh, let's say there are maybe two unicorns in uh, the Austin area, maybe less than 10 in the New York area. Uh, there's more than 100 just here in the in the Bay Area. So I think the production of fast-growing, innovative companies is is still going to be very strong. Uh, but they're, they're going through a cycle, of course, of funding like everybody else's. Mark New, I've just got about 30 seconds left. Uh, economists are not very optimistic about 2023 uh, for the U.S. economy. And we know that tech companies are already preparing for it. But where do you see it going? Well, uh, tech has led the stock market rally over the past few days. Um, I think it may be short-lived, but I still have confidence in the long run. Um, keep in mind that even after the uh, recession of the dot-com boom, within two years, uh, you know, tech was high-flying again. Yeah. We still have not really tapped so many areas like quantum computing, artificial intelligence. Yeah. For example, flying cars. I saw one yeah. in Las Vegas just um, at CES. So there's a lot of tech on the way still to come.
Okay, and that's where we have to leave it. Thanks to all of you for being with us. That is it for this edition of The Heat. I'm Arnold Naidu in Washington, D.C. Thank you for watching.